You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast. We are back. I am back. And we are NFC North champions. That's the first time I've been able to say that in an intro. That felt good. Uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at prideofdetroit.com. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter and with me, as always, for our first bite previews. And really, the, the first time we've had him back on the pod, because we didn't do a, a proper podcast after Sunday's big win, he is the senior editor of Pride of Detroit. He is at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan Matthews, how does it feel to be an NFC North champ? Because we're just going to assume that we're part of the team. Uh, much like Kirby Joseph, I'm wondering where my shirt is. I don't know where my shirt is. I'm looking all over for where my shirt is. So, but, uh, happy, happy, uh, NFC North champion to you too, Jeremy. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I, 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 I want to give you like the, the floor for a minute here. You haven't, you haven't really been able to talk about it. I know we have a guest here and he's patiently waiting, which I appreciate, but yeah, how, how we feeling, buddy? Uh, I feel like I'm being put on the spot too much. <laughs> I'm so, and, uh, okay, I'm sorry. I, I, I cannot sum up all my feelings of, of 30 years of anguish. Uh, but uh, the the best way I can do it is by talking to somebody who hasn't clinched their division yet. Wow, <laughs> I love getting the barbs in before <laughs> we even introduce them. Let I, let's get to it. That's a that was a good enough transition to get into it. He is the editor-in-chief for Blogging the Boys. He's the co-host of the SB Nation NFL show, including the new and improved Monday Football Monday. He is at RJ Ochoa on Twitter. RJ Ochoa, welcome back, buddy. Jeremy, Ryan, great to be with you. Uh, between the two of you, if you take the first uh, letters of your first names, really solid pairing, um, oh. if I don't mind you know, saying myself. Uh, I am a junior, so you, know, you could flip it either way, and I'd, I'd appreciate it. Um, congratulations on winning the NFC North. I say that in full uh, sincerity and full seriousness. It is super cool uh, when an NFL fan base can break through. Get the T-shirts, get the hats, get the pennants, like get everything else, because you never know um, how rare it is. I would offer that since the Lions' last uh, NFC Central Division Championship, the Dallas Cowboys was literally at a dynasty. So, I mean, you know, 
who's counting or whatever. Sure. Um, so also shout out to Anthony Hitchens if we're going to you know okay. be that way, right? So okay. <laughs> By the way, Des didn't catch it the following week. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move. I mean, it's Lions Cowboys week. We I guess we got to get these these trash talks in because as as diametrically opposed as these franchises have been at times, uh, it really seems like they've had a lot of memorable matchups. So we we and we're headed to probably the most important face-off between the two since that playoff game that that will be the last time we're, we're going to mention that one uh but let's let's talk about the cowboys uh i want to start before we get into offense versus defense and all that sort of stuff with the cowboys kind of remarkable home stand right now um i feel like we're kind of in an era in nfl football where home field advantage means less and less but with dallas certainly hasn't been the case that 15 straight is that right that is correct um and you know, I think when you think of the conventional home field advantage in the NFL, or you think of like the classic ones, um, I mean, nobody is thinking of Dallas. Like nobody's like, oh, AT&T Stadium, right? Like it's right. it's a really posh environment. Um, a lot of visiting fans because it's a lot of people's like kind of go to trip to take every single year. Um, and I know that you know this. Whenever I say this, it's generally met with snide remarks or snide you know commentary. But it, I would attribute it to Mike McCarthy. Like mm-hmm. he has done several things uh, since becoming the head coach, the Dallas Cowboys, that had been foreign for the franchise. That honestly had not really happened since the Lions' last division championship. Um, they have developed a home field advantage, which obviously is, is what you asked about. He had, I believe, a 14-game home winning streak at Lambeau Field at one point in time. He had two different double-digit home field you know advantages, and a lot of people do associate you know Lambeau Field and the the weather and things like that uh, with more of your classic home field advantage, but that is who he is. He's become a head coach who uh, takes care of division rivals, generally speaking. He is a head coach who bounces back from losses. The Cowboys lost two games in a row last week for the first time since Thanksgiving of 2021. Um, They have clinched a playoff ticket, to your point though, Ryan, they're not division champions themselves, and they are going to the playoffs for the third straight year. They had not done that since 1994 through 1996. They have won double-digit games. They hadn't done that since even earlier in the 90s. I mean, so Mike McCarthy I think gets a lot of credit for those types of things in my mind, just because some of the other common denominators that had been there had not been able to accomplish those things. Yeah. And RJ, we, we got to talk about, you know, somebody who is playing just insane football at AT&T stadium. That's Dak Prescott. And I know maybe, you know, prior to, I think two weeks ago, right? Like he heading into that Buffalo game, Dak is the odds on favorite to be MVP. And it's it's a no good afternoon for for Dak Prescott, but it's a bounce back game against the Dolphins. They don't end up winning the game because it is what it is. But like Prescott at home, 20 touchdowns, two interceptions, 74 percent, you know, completion percentage like the guy is absolutely awesome at AT&T. Like, is there anything like extra that's happening at home? Is it because they get to you know pick on teams like the the Jets and the Patriots and stuff like that? Or is it just, you know. Dak gets to say his like ready here we go a little bit louder and everybody can hear him. Um, I think it's just you know the the, the road woes has been a really weird thing that we just can't explain. I mean nobody can. It, it you could argue that it, some of it is the quality of competition, but it does just kind of seem to be a matter of coincidence. And the Cowboys are obviously comfortable playing at home. Um, you know they don't sleep in a hotel the night before. Obviously, that kind of varies team to team and, and based on coaching staff. And and that is something that I would attribute to Mike McCarthy as well. He's been you know ever since he took over all about player wellness beyond health and and making sure that they're rested and and properly you know um, 
properly fit and, and not being pushed in practices and not being put in uncomfortable situations or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think that they just are in the right mindset when they're at home that they seemingly can't quite replicate on the road for whatever reason. You're right. I mean, it, it felt like it was his award to lose before that Buffalo game. And when he hit Brandon Cooks for the go-ahead touchdown in Miami, it felt like this is the signature moment. Like th- he finally got this if they hold on to win. And I do think had the Cowboys won that game, it would be kind of Dak and Lamar right now. That's just the nature of the award and how it's so narrative driven. But um, it is strange. And some of it could be the turf. Some of it just could be the comfortability in the building. But if anything, you know, at t Stadium offers a bit of a disadvantage at home. Not in this game, um, but you're both aware of the glare that comes in through the, the window in yeah. the side. Yeah. Uh, and they hate that. Like, like everybody that is universally hated. <laughs> uh, the Cowboys will put up curtains for Taylor Swift or Final Fours or the Eagles, <laughs> uh, the band, uh, to be very clear. But they will not put it up for, for Cowboys games, despite the fact that all of their players hate it. Crazy. Um, another thing that Mike McCarthy has his hands all over is the offense. Uh, and, and we, you know, Ryan was just saying it. This is a, almost a career year for, for Dak Prescott all over. So what is he, what has Mike McCarthy done to change the offense uh, when he stole the reins away from our, our best friend, Kellen Moore? Yeah, um, I would not wish Kellen Moore's stands on anyone. Um, so I'm I'm happy that you, you yeah, you both we went know through it. <laughs> what that's like. Um, but Kellen was really productive as the offensive coordinator of the Cowboys. And I think people forget he predated Mike McCarthy, mm-hmm. you know, just to be clear, uh, not just as a player, but, you know, as a staff member and even as the offensive coordinator. And and Mike had a quote at the combine that that just caught fire and everybody dunked on him for where he said, you know, Kellen just wants to to light up the scoreboard and you know I I want to run the ball and I want to make sure that that all parts of our game are complementing each other and every of course it was oh this dude's so stupid you know he just wants to run the ball like whatever yeah. um, and it was so obvious if you had paid attention to who Mike McCarthy was as a play caller like. When did he ever do that? Like when when was he ever obsessed with running the ball? And so I think that what he wanted to do at first was obviously implement more classic West Coast things of don't know if you wear the Cowboys dubbed their offense, the Texas coast, which was really dumb. Uh, and thankfully that, that has faded a little bit, but um, just kind of a, a, a mesh of what they've done and what McCarthy wanted to do. And that really wasn't taking um, everybody saw them get obliterated by San Francisco in that Sunday night football game. And during the bye week, CD lamb was very vocal in a very humble way and said, look, I mean, I need to be involved more. Uh, and Dak Prescott, you know, had some offerings to Mike McCarthy and everybody criticizes him for this, but he was humble enough to say, okay, what we're doing right right now isn't totally working. Maybe I should listen to my superstars and the best players on my team. And when they came out of that bye, they have really ever since been a completely different team and a completely different offense there. You know, West Coast principles are more kind of sideline sort of things and just these drag routes and getting players out in space. They are challenging teams vertically and allowing Dak Prescott to be more aggressive. I think that because he doesn't have the interception numbers that he had last year, people tend to misconstrue the situation and think that he's maybe more conservative. He's as aggressive as he's ever been. He's just benefiting from the regression to the mean as far as luck is concerned. He had a lot of tip balls and things like that last year. So, um, I would say that he has where he's been different than Kellen Moore is as the head coach, he understands that he has an all world defense, although not these days uh, behind him. And so he, he plays and he calls things to where he can depend on that defense. He doesn't have to just go score as quickly as possible. It's a more complimentary overall team sort of game. And, and that has been better for the team overall. So RJ, can, can you talk a little bit more about that run game, that commitment to the run that, you know, McCarthy kind of talked about in the offseason that, that you that you spoke on because you know you look at some of the numbers right like Dallas is 14th in in, in uh, run DVOA they're 10th in adjusted line yards it's like okay well you know they have they have the group up front. 
But then you see some of the numbers from Tony Pollard and it's like, oh, you know, do, do they have the horses back there? Is it uh, is it scheme stuff that that, that is kind of limiting that or, or or what's kind of your overall thoughts on just the run game in general? You know, Pollard obviously had the fractured fibula in the playoff loss to San Francisco and the Cowboys placed the tag on him. They kind of had to. Um, and he, quite frankly, hasn't been the same player. Now, I don't know what you can ultimately attribute to the injury, but I, I would argue it's a non-zero quantity. Um, and some of it is just he's, you know, people want to say he's, he's the bell cow now. He can't handle it. The Cowboys miss Zeke. There's a, a huge infatuation with Zeke Elliott, obviously, among the fan base. But early in the season, Pollard was outworking even Zeke's heaviest years. Around week five, week six, Pollard's workload at that point in time was heavier than, again, some of Zeke's biggest seasons through that same point in the season. And so I think the Cowboys dialed back in the name of, you know, utilizing their passing game a little bit more because they really can't rely on Pollard. He really has not been the same player that he was. He obviously had a big game against Detroit last year. Um, he's, he's just, I think, developed a different reputation a year ago where he was this really explosive playmaker and he hasn't been that guy. Um, he had a really poor moment last week against Miami right before that fumble that Dallas had on the first possession of the game. It looked like he had a clear alley to just break out to the outside and get in the end zone. And instead he tried to challenge the, the Dolphins defenders and ultimately was kept out and the Cowboys fumbled on the next play. So I would say a lot of it is Pollard has been really disappointing, but some of it too is, is the Cowboys have had a huge kind of rotation along their offensive line. These last few games before Buffalo, they'd had some consistency with Tyron Smith finally playing a lot, but uh, he's missed some time as of late and the Cowboys have just been trying to patch things together, obviously, as they try to win these games, but also get ready for the postseason. Well, let's go back to the to the passing offense, because I'm sure you said something that sent some chills down Lions fans at, you know, back when when you say that they're they're leaning more into a vertical passing game. And that seems to be what the Lions struggle with. They gave up 11 passing plays of 20 plus yards last week against Nick Mullins. Uh, so um, let's talk about CeeDee Lamb. Let's talk about what makes his season so special. What, 13, 1,400 yards already? What what have the, the the Cowboys done to, I guess, unlock his full potential, even though I think we all already knew he was a pretty special player? He needs 180 yards to set the Dallas Cowboys single season record. So if you guys can help us out, that'd be super cool um, in, in the final home game, potentially of the season, but, but obviously the regular season. Um, I think some of it was... You know, CD Lamb, the night he was drafted, you know, did the local radio hit and um, he was asked what number he wanted to wear. And he said number 10. And then like an hour later, Jerry Jones is like, he's going to wear number 88. And um, <laughs> it, it was just, just kind of, you know, what it was. And yeah. I say that because CD is a very different kind of player that has worn that number. Uh, there's been some alpha mentality, obviously, to Des Bryant and certainly to Michael Irvin and even to Drew Pearson relative to the the time, you know, in NFL history. Um, and I would offer that I would offer that this season CD has kind of developed that if you want to call it dog mentality or, or just more aggressive disposition. And I don't mean that in any sort of diva or, you know, anything along those lines way, but, but just aggression and how he plays. I mean, he is, he is so much more physical than he's ever been. Last year was obviously the first year without Amari Cooper and really kind of offered him the opportunity to shine and become the alpha of the group. But I think he's, he's blossomed beyond that and just, become an alpha in general um, to the point that he went to Mike McCarthy with Dak Prescott and said, I need to be used more. He's a really humble player and a really humble person. But I do think that that switch has been so cataclysmic for the overall effect uh, of how the Cowboys offense rolls. And he has the trust the well-earned trust of his quarterback and, and obviously the quarterback backing him and, and being vocal for him on his behalf. Um, and he has, you know, I would offer another thing that's kind of taken him to a different level is the acquisition that Dallas made with Brandon cooks. Uh, Brandon is obviously a really accomplished player. 
player. Uh, but is at a point in his career where he's now, I think, not that he ever wasn't, but really comfortable being the big brother. And and I think CD needed that, needed that person to kind of, you know, ask questions to and just kind of get direction from. And beyond, you know, the experience and, and big brotherness that Cooks can provide, a proper threat opposite of him. I mentioned how the Cowboys kind of had to tag Pollard last year. He was the only explosive player on their team outside of CD Lamb. Michael Gallup really wasn't a great player last season. Coming back from the ACL injury, uh, they obviously had traded away Amari Cooper. And so the emergence of, of not just Cooks, but Jake Ferguson, obviously, at the tight end position has really created, you know, more of an opportunity for CD to thrive in. And he himself has developed to the point that he's just taken advantage of the opportunity. You just mentioned somebody, RJ. Let's talk a, a little bit about Jake Ferguson. I mean, having a bit of a breakout season here, um, you know, putting up some real big numbers, especially for a tight end with 61 catches, uh, five touchdowns. Um, he, I mean, talk a little bit about his game. How much do the Cowboys like to use him in different ways and, and how important is he to, to the juice on offense? This is one that I didn't see coming or I wasn't a believer in. Um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people think, I think, tend to just confuse their wants with their predictions. You know, they'll like, oh, I don't know, Jeremy, I think this, you know, insert sixth round rookie is going to be really special this year. Right. Yeah, we we all want this. But like there's a, <laughs> a huge difference between, you know, that and actually, you know, it being possible. And so Jake Ferguson inherited the starting tight end position because Dalton Schultz left in free agency. Um, and a lot of people said, man, I don't know. He had like 18 targets last year. I mean, right. it was so impossible to predict that he was going to be a tried and true part of the offense. But he is a really physical player. Um, I recognize how this sounds, but he has he has kind of the best qualities in a general sense of Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Um, Kelsey in that he's this really powerful vertical athlete who can take advantage of the middle of the field, which is something that Dak Prescott likes to target. And George Kittle in that he's a little... Like, you don't want to mess with this dude. Like, he's a little wild. I mean, he challenged Jamal Adams. Everybody saw that during the Thursday night football win um, on Amazon Prime. Um, he, you know, he's the dude who will kind of rip his helmet off first and get into the scrum before anybody else on the team. And I do think that that, you know, kind of attitude ripples into the team at the proper moments. Um, and so beyond all of that, beyond his own strengths, and he's obviously football royalty. Uh, if you don't know, his grandfather is Barry Alvarez from Wisconsin. Uh, but um but Dak Prescott has always excelled with tight ends. He obviously started his career with Jason Witten uh, and then had Dalton Schultz into the fold. Um, and his D Dak Prescott's seam throw is maybe his best throw in his whole bag. And so Jake Ferguson is the proper athlete with enough kind of gumption to, to be willing to absorb whatever context is going to come his way over the middle of the field. So they really kind of are a match made in heaven in that sense. It's interesting. It should be kind of a fascinating matchup because, Ryan, I, I feel like the Lions haven't been really killed by tight ends too much this year? No, that's kind of like a, a meme almost to Lions fans at this point. Like, they always seem to be killed by tight ends. Um, and, and you know, the, the Lions, we, we still don't really know what the Lions are going to do with their secondary this week with C.J. Gardner-Johnson kind of in limbo right now. And if he playing so well that maybe you don't even bother with C.J. Gardner-Johnson this week. And Brian Branch is still playing good, but your linebacker coverage is not great. I don't know. What, what do you think about that matchup, Ryan? Yeah, it, it feels like I, I I hope the Cowboys maybe uh, play the Lions a couple of years down the road and and we can see the full potential of Jack Campbell, right? Because right. I, I think that was kind of the coming into the season. That was the hope is that, OK, you got this guy who's very toolsy with lots of traits and he has a lot of athleticism and he can cover, you know, the modern day tight ends. That just really hasn't been the case this year, right? Yeah. So you hope that somebody who can, you know, fill that spot is somebody like Alex Anzalone, who, you know, since coming back from injury is you know, not been the player that we saw at the beginning of the year, not saying that it's a huge drop off by any means, but yeah. 
it'll be interesting to see how they kind of deploy whether it's going to be guys that you mentioned like Brian Branch maybe maybe taking that up but for for a big guy like Ferguson that that it, that seems like a little bit of a mismatch with, yeah. with the Lions defensive uh back end no I would offer that he didn't receive any targets in the first half of either the Buffalo or the Miami game and so um you know, not that that was purposeful or intentional, but but both the Bills and the Dolphins were capable of, of just kind of taking him away early on. And obviously yeah. there was a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott's face, but um, he is kind of due. At least Cowboys fans feel <laughs> that way. It's been a minute since he's been a, a tried and true, you know, featured part of the offense. Yeah, well, I mean, just even looking at Ferguson's like his A dot, like it's not very far down the field, but I mean, he is an absolute yak machine. I mean, the guy catches the ball and runs, right? So it, it seems like Jeremy may be like in the... I feel like the Lions do a good job with tight ends in that intermediate area of the field, right? Like, you know, close to the line of scrimmage or something like that. Like, you know what I mean? So no question. Well, well, RJ, you, you mentioned some protection issues in, in recent weeks. So let's, let's go there next. Um, let, and I guess we have to probably start with Tyron Smith, right? Uh, has not practiced both practices this week, missed last week. Um, what, what is your outlook? If you, if you have any insight on, on whether he'll play this week and what's the plan if he won't. The plan, if he won't, is, is, I mean, really just kind of close your eyes and pray. Um, <laughs> you know, he has, um, so Dak, Pre- I don't know if either of you know this, Dak Prescott is the longest tenured starting quarterback in the NFL. Mm. He has never played an entire season with Tyron Smith. Um, not <laughs> once. <laughs> so uh, Tyron has missed time every year since 2015. Uh, to be fair, I mean, he's been in the NFL forever. He's obviously a first round draft pick in 2011. But um that that really does kind of throw things into chaos for the Cowboys. It's been a, a predictable problem. You know, he he missed so much time last year and the Cowboys drafted Tyler Smith out of Tulsa a year ago. Uh, and he played left tackle just kind of on a whim because he had to. And so a lot of people this offseason, this past offseason said, look, enough with this kind of just, you know, weekly, you know, headache, just kick Tyler out to left tackle, put Tyron on ice, let him be your swing tackle, whatever the case may be. And the Cowboys charged forward. They said, no, we're going to play Tyron at left tackle. And he got hurt early in the season. Uh, the Cowboys lost to the Cardinals in embarrassing fashion. Tyron missed that game. But ever since then, he's kind of been healthy, except obviously up until recent memory and or recent, you know, games. And, um, it, it's shown up and that's a, obviously a big problem. He's played very well in spite of, or on top of just being available. Um, and so if he plays, I really do kind of trust him. The Cowboys uh, about two months ago, interestingly enough, just kind of said, we just don't need Tyron to practice anymore. Like he doesn't, you know, he's, he's that fragile where he, he, simply does not practice and he's obviously that talented to where he can he can survive and thrive in, in that environment and so um it kind of is a true game time decision for him um you know when the cowboys lost to the cardinals they sat tyron smith they also sat tyler biotis their center and zach martin and a lot of people thought man because they were looking forward to san francisco a few weeks later a lot of people thought maybe they think they can just get by this team with you know without three of their starting offensive linemen and that obviously blew up in their faces um and so while it was frustrating for the cowboys to lose to buffalo and Miami. There's no question that from an overall NFC playoff picture perspective, this game is the most important of this one and the most recent too. So I could totally see the Cowboys prioritizing this game a week ago and saying Tyron might be 98%, but like we really have to win this Lions game because they are our impediment to potentially taking the two seed in the conference. And so I would bet he plays, but I don't feel particularly confident in that. Fair. All right, let's, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to switch things up. We'll talk about the Cowboys defense, potentially struggling defense, question mark, going up against a red hot Lions offense. When we come back here on First Bite.
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to First Bite, previewing Lions Cowboys here with RJ Ochoa of blogging The Boys, the SB Nation Dallas Cowboys site, and really, let's be honest, the best Dallas Cowboys site out there. Let's talk Cowboys defense uh, versus Lions offense, and I think the only place to ever start when talking about the Cowboys defense is Micah Parsons, uh, having another phenomenal year, defensive player of the year-ish. We don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe him. Maybe uh, he's the favorite. Is he the favorite right now over uh, Miles? He has been for like three weeks now. Dang. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, let's let's talk. I guess so. Lions coaches have been saying all week like they the the toughest thing about him is that the Cowboys know he's so good and he's so good at everything. He can play off ball. He can play on the left side. He can play on the right side. He can play in the interior. Is there a spot that he's the most effective or that he plays the most or or is it just that like you have to. Everyone has to, everyone on that offensive line has to be aware of him because at some point you, you, you're just going to go up against him. I think it's it's certainly as an outside pass rusher, right? That's kind of his most classic, you know, utilized spot. But he definitely rushes from the interior a lot, a lot more than you think. Um, he played a little bit more off ball linebacker last week against Miami. Um, so Dallas got run all over by Buffalo, um, and that you know the the cry of the week was play Micah more off ball, you know, because the Cowboys don't have really any traditional linebackers on their team. Leighton Vander Esch is hurt. Um, and their best linebacker is Marquise Bell, who's a converted safety and their other safeties play linebacker. So they're a very, very light defense. And that's why they couldn't stand Buffalo really all game long. So they're just getting run over um, with these smaller dudes. Um, and so, I mean, I'm not a proponent for moving Micah back. I mean, there's not a pass rush from the NFL that is as effective as he is, you know, kind of playing and play out. And so I'm more than happy leaving him there, but, but I will say that Dan Quinn definitely finds creative ways to get him after the passer. Um, the dominant story right now around Micah, besides being the favorite for defensive player of the year is he has not drawn a holding call in nine full games. Hmm. Uh, and so Micah himself has gotten pretty vocal about this. Uh, and uh, is uh, I don't know if you know, Micah has a podcast every week in the Bleacher Report app. Um, welcome to Life of the Dallas Cowboys. Again, just content. It's it's too much for us to keep up with. Uh, and um, so he's, he's you know, kind of joked, like, what I don't know what I did to piss off NFL referees and things like that. It is strange. I don't put a lot of stock into this story myself, but, I mean, it, it, he's maybe the best pass rusher in the NFL. So, like, how has this not happened? I would honestly put odds on it happening this week because he's been so loud about it for so long. Uh, but he's obviously their anchor for everything they do. Well, I mean, games being played in Dallas, so I would I would put money on them getting some calls too. <laughs> over uh, over over these past uh, 
over these past four games for the Cowboys. Um, not their best defensive efforts. Uh, you know, they're they're giving up twenty five point three points per game, um, and 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 as you mentioned, the Bills game kind of stands out as maybe. Um, I don't know, the the most favorite tape that any uh, Lions offensive coach could put on Hank Fraley, Ben Johnson, any any of those Dan Campbell, they would love to see uh, a path to just running over the Cowboys. Um, But what 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 to you, RJ, has been kind of the most concerning trend over these past four weeks? Because, I mean, here's the thing I don't want to bury. Like the Cowboys are a good defense, like over the course of the season, they're six in DVOA, they're fifth in points against at at 19.1, but they're, they're playing a little less than, than their standards. So what's been concerning over the past month for you? They're a really aggressive and opportunistic defense. I think the fact that, you know, Deron Bland holds the record for most pick sixes in an NFL season is pretty emblematic of that. Um, the four games you mentioned. Um, so I'm a big Mike McCarthy stand. Um, and some of that is because like nobody stands for this dude. Right. So like, I mean, I just kind of feel bad. Um, <laughs> but an annoying take is always, you know, amongst Cowboys fans, like, well, Dan Quinn's really running the show. Like Mike McCarthy's doing nothing. Like Dan, Dan Quinn is the real head coach of this team. Dan Quinn's amazing. Like Mike McCarthy's only successful because of Dan Quinn. Okay. Can we talk about how in this four game stretch, Dan Quinn didn't force the Seahawks to punt a single time. Um, now the Cowboys did generate some fourth down stops at the very end of that game, but that game was won on the arm of Dak Prescott and the play calling of Mike McCarthy offensively. A week later, the Cowboys didn't allow a single touchdown to be scored by the Philadelphia Eagles offensively. And while that's a cool thing to kind of say out loud about your defense, I think we would all agree that Philadelphia has been struggling as of late on offense. And that's partly related to that. Um, okay. So then you go to Buffalo and you get run over in every single sense of the word. And yeah, last week they kept Miami out of the end zone all but one single time but i do think that you know the dolphins were kind of content to just take the low-hanging fruit because they were winning on defense themselves so while they are a top you know defense however you want to look at it from a season-long perspective they're a bottom 10 group right now over the last mm-hmm. month like they can be had uh they're not getting after the quarterback as consistent uh, excuse me as consistently they did get to 201 last week but not to josh allen a single time josh allen i don't know if you know completed seven passes against the Cowboys. That's it. Like it it did not take much to beat them and beat them soundly. Um, And again, if Jalen Hurts had been more capable at that moment in time, I think he would have found a way as well. Geno Smith lit them up and was incredible. And and really, I think might be the dude that you would be afraid to see in the wild card round. But um, I, I, do not have a lot of faith in them right now. It's kind of where I'm at on the Cowboys defense. I have some faith in in the the star power and Micah Parsons and, and those things kind of holding true. But as a group, they're really kind of treading water at this moment. Well, we mentioned it a couple times now, you know, the the run defense maybe issues. Obviously, the Lions are a team that, that love to run the ball second in DVOA and, and, and second or third in yardage. Um, what, what's been the, the failure uh, on the Cowboys part? Is it, as you mentioned before, the, the light personnel? Is there, you know, the interior of that defensive line not holding their jobs? Is it the lack of a true linebacker at the second level? What or maybe a com- combination of those things? Yeah, I think it's it's everything. I think the Cowboys, yeah. they're not. A, they're a tough team, but they're not a physical team. And the last two weeks, they've been down Jonathan Hankins, who they acquired right before the trade deadline last yeah. year, and they re-signed to a one-year contract in the offseason. Um, and so a lot of people say, well, you're missing Jonathan Hankins. That's cool. That's great. And no disrespect, but um, I mean, they have Micah Parsons. They they have Dan Quinn. Like, they have Demarcus Lawrence. They have all these really talented defenders, and they have lots of second contracts on that side of the ball. And so if, if the straw that breaks the camel's back is that Jonathan Hankins is out, then, you know, we've really got a, a big problem here. And the Cal- 
Cowboys attempted to fix this issue with the drafting of Mozzie Smith, um, who is not exactly too popular within Cowboys or among Cowboys fans right now, despite um, your particular allegiance, Jeremy. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, but so they've just kind of whiffed um, on interior defensive linemen. I mean, for a very, very, very long time. Mozzie was the first interior defensive lineman they took in the first round since 1991, uh, which is obviously a special year for the Lions. And so it's just not their strong suit. I mean, they build themselves to be fast and to play against the pass and and to kind of nickel is the new base type of, you know, line of thought. And that leaves you vulnerable to players or excuse me, to teams who can put up a lead and then kind of control the game in that sense. Dallas um, elected to receive the ball against the Eagles, went down and scored and were able to play from ahead uh, against Miami. The same thing happened and they got all the way down to the one yard line and couldn't punch it in. And then everything kind of fell apart after that. So, RJ, the, the thing I want to know about the Cowboys back end, right, is like, yeah, I mean, Deron Bland gets obviously a, a lot of shine for the for the big plays, um, you know, the pick sixes and, and things like that. You know, they, they lose Trevon Diggs early and, and that's a huge bummer for them. Um, but I mean, are, are they getting like are they getting consistent production out of a, a veteran like? You know, Stefan Gilmore, um, who, who have they been able to rely on that back end? Because you know, Dallas is no um, they're no stranger to, to, to blitzing. I mean, they rank ninth in, in blitz rate. Um, is that because they're trying to prop up that back end or or do they feel pretty confident in, in, in those guys' ability to, to stick to their their uh, coverage? I think it's part of their overall aggressive disposition. That's that's how they feel they can win games is to just be aggressive. But um, Stephon Gilmore had a bit of a rough go right after the Diggs injury. You know, when the Cowboys traded for him, it was never to come, you know, be their top cornerback. And, you know, the status quo changed after the Trayvon injury. But then Deron Bland emerged and continued to emerge. And that has really kind of helped the water settle as far as the cornerback position is concerned. And what was really concerning at first was Deron Bland was supposed to be this team starting nickel corner, obviously, with Trayvon playing outside. Uh, and another Michigan man, Jordan Lewis, is maybe having his best season as a member of the Dallas Cowboys, you know, a little bit up there in terms of his career now. And he has really kind of helped stabilize things in a bit of a chaotic little run here. At safety, Jaywan Curse has been really great for the Cowboys for the most part, but has probably been their worst defender for the most of this season. He's had some poor penalties on top of everything. Uh, but Malik Hooker is playing really well. They, they, they just kind of have guys who are, are finding ways to carry them when other players are, are kind of whiffing and, and you know, sinking the overall kind of group. Um, and so they can be had, but I mean, that's probably the sector, the sector of the group that I trust the most. I mean, I trust the pass rush because of Micah Parsons, but as a group, they're not necessarily contributing a ton together. Whereas I do think that the secondary is hanging all tough as one collective group. Jeremy, J Ron curse, Detroit lions legend. That's right. right. <laughs> all about those curses. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean that to be an entendre, but anyways, uh, before we get to our, our prediction segment, I do want to talk a little bit more about the pressure packages and things like that, because the other important news in this matchup is, is that Taylor Decker did not practice today. He's dealing with a groin injury. That seems like uh, uh, one of the worst things that maybe could happen in in the lead up to facing Micah Parsons. But beyond Micah Parsons, what what else do the, the Cowboys bring either on that defensive line or because they're such a, a strong blitzing team? Is there a guy maybe in the in the second or third levels that that is a good threat in the pass rush? 
I know we've joked about the 2014 matchup, but the hero of the end of that game, Demarcus Lawrence, is such an underrated player for the Cowboys. He's an incredible run defender, and it's probably coming off of his best game um, against the Dolphins, which was, again, just a shame that, that Dallas lost. Um, he's not – he doesn't have the sack numbers to kind of support his contract, and that always kind of comes with um, some Snyder marks and things like that. But he is an, an incredibly stabilizing force. But outside of that, what made the group so special last year when they had all these sacks was they were getting them from everywhere besides Micah and Tank. Um Dorrance Armstrong had an incredible season after Dallas had let Randy Gregory walk in free agency. Sam Williams came on really strong as a rookie, and he's this season been kind of a disappointment. He's had some poor penalties as well. Um, so they're they're getting top level, top shelf production, but it's those secondary waves that just aren't contributing at the same level that they were last year. I mean, and you can only be elite elite for so long, and there is regression to the mean. And I think they're experiencing that. And it ultimately does kind of fall on Micah Parsons' shoulders is he has to be great all the time and have these game-changing plays all the time. And unless he does, they're just kind of holding on for dear life in some respects. Fair enough. All right, let's move to the final segment of our podcast, the segment we call the one thing we think we know where we make a prediction about the game. Doesn't necessarily have to be a winner or a score or anything like that, but if that's the direction you want to go, that is totally okay and acceptable. Uh, RJ, I'll let you see how it works first. And throw it to Ryan, who always leads us off. So, Ryan, what is the one thing you think you know about Lions-Cowboys? I think the one thing I know about Lions-Cowboys is, um, and this goes back to something RJ mentioned earlier, um, and we're not going to talk too much about coin tosses and and deferring and and getting the ball first. Um, But I, I will say this. If the Lions are able to get out to an early lead, whether it's, you know, putting a field goal up on the board or scoring a touchdown, whatever it may be. I think that the lions run the ball 45 times in this game. <laughs> I th- I think that they want to see yeah. how much of the Buffalo game was uh, an aberration, how much of it was, you know, just uh, a, an outlier, a one-off, or if they see something watching that game yeah. and say, Hey, I, I think that we can we can have our way in this facet of the game. I I fully expect Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson to create a game plan that focuses on doing that all game long. I think I think that is like the ideal scenario for this game for the Lions, right? Is is they it's not only controlling the game on the ground, being bullies and physical in the game, but it's also keeping your defense off the field, keeping Dak Prescott off the field. I, I thought about going that exact same route. My only concern is that Dallas is such a high octane offense that even if you are able to play that game for a while, you slip up once, suddenly the Cowboys could be scoring in droves in this game and then and then you're playing from behind. And I think the Lions will try to certainly hold on to that run game for as long as they possibly can. But uh, if this gets out to like a shootout, I'm not sure they'll be able to continue to do that through four quarters. We'll see, we'll but see. I'm going to say 45 rushing attempts. Wow. You, okay. I, you are that includes boldness gain. That includes kneel down. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I mean, golf is golf is almost nice a subtle like, shot at the end there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we do like to go bold here and I don't know what yours, what was your, do you remember your prediction from last week, Ryan? Yeah, it, it got taken off the board because of video review, but uh, it was that Jared Goff would turn the ball over on his first read. And uh, there was the fumble return for a touchdown that hmm. wasn't a fumble return for a touchdown. I, 
Thank I goodness. absolutely. I, the reason I ask you is because I want to compliment myself because I absolutely nailed mine, which was Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins would throw for 300 yards and two interceptions, which, which felt kind of bold at the time. Turns out he threw for 400 yards and four interceptions. Um, so that's, I don't know, do I cash in twice for that one? Uh Perhaps. I don't know. We'll, that we'll, leave, we'll, we'll leave that up to RJ to decide after he puts in his prediction. Sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's throw it to RJ then. RJ, what's the one thing you think you know about Lions Cowboys? Um, so I have a, a quantitative one because I do want to be able to like be held accountable, but my sure. real one, um, so that's like a secondary one. My real one is, um, and I don't mean this as an indictment against the Lions in any way. Um, but Jeremy, you mentioned you were kind of lax. You're like, I don't even care about these last two games. Like I'm, I'm on easy street. I, I believe the Cowboys will play like the more desperate team in, in this game. And I think that they ran into a Buffalo team that was incredibly desperate, obviously. Sure. And even a Miami team who's depra- uh, desperation, I think I underestimated. Um, I did not view the Dolphins to be playing desperately. Um, a lot of people were calling that the fraud ball because Dallas and Miami not having beaten quality teams this year. Um, and so I do think that Dallas is kind of sick of it. I think they're glad to be home. And because they play the day before the Eagles. I don't know how well you're both aware they need to win out and have Philadelphia lose a game uh, in order to win the NFC East. I do not think they want to allow Philadelphia to be in a position to clinch on Sunday. So I could totally see them saying, let's get this one. Let's give it our entire might. uh, And we might be in a position next Sunday if Jonathan Gannon helps us out to clinch the NFC East outright. Whereas I... It, we're all human, the Lions players included. Yeah. So I could totally see a, a not a come down or a letdown, but last week was incredibly emotional. And you can argue how there isn't enough or a lot or whatever you want to call it to play for from a Detroit perspective. So um, that's my kind of wide uh, prediction. Uh, numerically, quantitatively, I will say that Brandon Aubrey kicks at least 10 successful points. Uh, you can call that field goals or extra points, but he is responsible. His foot is responsible for 10 points. Um, he can miss within my prediction, but he will net 10 points for the Cowboys boys on saturday night is that, that is that is that commentary on mike mccarthy's lack of aggressiveness on fourth down well they could be 10 extra points right i mean let's you know <laughs> my god <laughs> i don't want to see that football game but I, I like but i like how you snuck they there could be misses in there like you're 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 trying really hard not to jinx the fact that he has not missed a field goal this season I feel so badly for him preemptively because whenever that comes, it is yeah. like the Cowboys fans are going to turn on him like you wouldn't believe. Uh, we have like had you hope he- it doesn't happen in a playoff game. Like, well, that's exactly what happened to Brett Maher last year. He had this incredible right. regular season and then it was horrible <laughs> and everybody hated him. Um, I'm getting you will both get and all Lions fans will get the treatment. I'll save you now. He was drafted in the MLS. He went to Notre Dame. Those are the things you have to know about Brandon Aubrey. But every time the Cowboys get a new crew, a national crew, they feel the need <laughs> to shove this story down our throats. It's an amazing story. We get it. He's incredible. He's made 33. The record for most consecutive field goals to start a career was 19. And he's at 33. Um, it's uh, pretty unbelievable. Not bad. It, and, and to go back to your your original point, it, it's I, I think you're right. Like everyone's human. And and Dan Campbell knows this too. Like one of the first things he said leading into this week is like the the thing that we have to fight this week, not the Cowboys. We have to fight complacency. We need to we need and and you know everyone is falling in line and saying the right things, but at some point, like you're right, this is this is a human element of the game. They they aren't playing for as much as the Cowboys are playing, and and as as good of a motivator as, as Dan Campbell is, I would also not be surprised to see them take the foot off the gas a little bit, even though that does seem like something that Dan Campbell wouldn't allow. And it's the game sandwiched between Christmas and New Year's. It's not New Year's Eve. Like you're kind of just in this, you know, weird, like what day is it headspace? You know what I mean? And so I, again, I, the human element is a fascinating thing in general. Uh, But, uh, but yeah, so those are my predictions. 
All right. The one thing I think I know, I'm going to go pretty much right back to my prediction from last week, except because I believe that Dak Prescott is a slightly better quarterback than Nick Mullins. Let's just take the turnovers out of it and say 375 yards for, for Dak Prescott in this game. And I know that sounds a lot like a lot, and it is a lot, uh, but line secondary is going through a lot right now. And Dallas has one of the best passing offenses that they've faced and they're not afraid to do it. They're not afraid. Like I, I feel like Dallas could very well be like, you know what? We don't need to run the ball this week. We'll, we'll run it maybe 15 times, throw it 40. It, there's room for CD Lamb to get the record then. If if he's got 375 and CD doesn't have 180, I mean, what the hell happened? Um, but I would, <laughs> just within your point, Jeremy, this is Dax. I don't think he'll win MVP, but this is his last real opportunity. Uh, yeah. Given that it is a primetime game, uh, Jimmy Johnson going into the ring of honor, like he has a chance to really kind of ride these high vibes if the Cowboys win in big fashion, the way you're somewhat predicting. Um, mm. And if, if Baltimore, well, I mean, at least don't, don't, individually. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, and, and if Lamar Jackson stumbles against the Dolphins on Sunday, Brock Purdy's kind of fully out of this. Again, it's a really slim chance, but it requires a big time win and big time yeah. performance on Saturday night for Dak. Right. And yeah, national spotlight, not that the, the Cowboys are ever out of the national spotlight, but yeah, it, it could be, it could very well be a game that vaults him right back into that conversation, but uh, we don't need to get into that. MVP, who cares? We're, we're looking, we're looking for team accomplishments here on both sides, I would say. Yeah. And, and speaking of team accomplishments, just to throw the inverse out there, right? Like, yeah, maybe there might be an emotional letdown, maybe, you know, winning the the division for the first time in 30 years the human element of that, but also the flip side, don't you think Dan Campbell with the way that he's commented on like, Hey, these guys will rest when the season's over. Sure. This seems like an opportunity for the lions to almost have a dress rehearsal for a playoff game. You know what I mean? Like you're playing sure. a playoff team. This is what it's going to take. Like you have, like you have to get yourself up each and every time. And in, in the playoffs, it's single game elimination. Like you have to get up for every game. Th- th- there is no room to let, let the foot off the gas. I would offer um, as somebody who's had their heart broken a lot in the playoffs recently, um, you want to get that one last clunker out though. You know what I mean? Like the last thing you want to do is be like peeking too early and peeking and too hot before it even starts. And then, <laughs> right. you know, fizzle out of the, that's what I thought Buffalo was. I was like, okay, they're good. Like they had won five games in a row before. I was like, that's okay. Let's get it out. You know, let's, let's just kind of purge this and, and move on. And then they of course lost last week, but um, that's a fair point. I mean, and Dan Campbell, former cowboy, he didn't want to lose, lose to them. Yeah, and as I was saying on on RJ's podcast, like he's he's all up for this Jimmy Johnson game. He's, he's That's very weird. <laughs> very very weird. I don't know why he he loves Jimmy Johnson so much. I guess I mean no reason not to. He seems like a good guy, but um yeah, he he literally sounded like he wanted to win this one for Jimmy Johnson, whereas Jimmy Johnson I'm barely certain is going to be rooting against him in this game. I mean, he lost a playoff game, that last playoff game to the Lions, Jimmy did. Yeah. So, I mean, he hates them, I'm sure, with all of his might. <laughs> uh, but th- those are seriously some powerful vibes. I mean, yeah. I don't know if y'all are aware. It has been a thing. It has been like a 15, 20-year yeah. thing, uh, vendetta, that Jerry Jones has held against uh, against Jimmy. And so that that it's finally happening is a really massive deal uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. And so um, I don't know that you'll enjoy it, but it it is a big-time thing that we're all looking forward to. All right. And, and sorry, last thing. Don't uh, get these, in these Ring of Honor things or inductions are not televised. Um, they normally happen at halftime of games. And, you know, it's just kind of, you know, during commercial breaks and things like that. This will be televised. <laughs> like it's the, oh, yeah. the most Dallas Cowboys way, of course, oh, to yeah. put someone into the Ring of Honor. Uh, but so it's a very unique spectacle. But that's how the Dallas Cowboys do things. Very true. It's always bigger in Texas. That's the saying, right? Um, 
anyways, uh, before we get out of here, RJ, I always want to give our guests an opportunity to promote their stuff, uh, especially uh, when you got such a good website like you do over there at Blogging the Boys. So uh, where can they find you? What, court- what sort of stuff can they find over at Blogging the Boys? Promote yourself. Uh, well, blogging the boys, we are obsessed with the Dallas Cowboys because we are masochists and uh, <laughs> we um, we like to paint. Um, this week, obviously, we're doing our best to kind of keep things calm, uh, but with the two game losing streak. But I do think everyone is is excited for Saturday night. Um, these are fun games. These Saturday nights, I think Dallas played Detroit on a Saturday in 2016. Um, that big oh, time yeah. blowout. Um, yeah, um, sorry about that, but um, it's fun. It's fun to be the first game and not have a million games on on Saturday. Like it just is a cool like holiday kind of vibe. Um, so blogoftheboys.com, you can search Blog of the Boys on any aspect of social media. You can find us, our YouTube channel where we completely ripped off Pride of Detroit's Madden simulation a few years ago. It does very well and I feel guilty every time. Uh, but uh, we are on Twitch, uh, but barely and moderately so. Um, not like you guys with your uh, massive corporation here. Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram and Thread if that is still a, a thing at RJ Ochoa. Uh, but somebody had that username on TikTok, so I had to go with RJ.Ochoa. Um, so it's a big bother in my life. But uh, other than that, uh, we are big fans of all of you at Pride of Detroit. Uh, you guys are the standard. And so I um, I love you all. I love your fans. Uh, and uh, I'm super jealous of the name Podcast. It's really unfair <laughs> that you guys have that going in your favor. So, it's so stupid, RJ. You can't, you can't Google search it. Why? I, I love that, but I also will admit I don't understand the loins thing. Maybe if I could ask one thing before I leave, what is what is loins? I you know I want to know. I want to be in on the joke. I I think the joke is just like it's it's the same thing as like heck. I, I don't know. It's just like you you misspelled something and it becomes like a joke. But like when is it used? It's like oh like they're playing ball. It's like oh the loins are out. Like you know I need to know the context that you use it. No it. It, it feels kind of like very when you say it, you're like turning it in on itself. And to Jeremy's point, like because it's a misspelling, but it's also a word and all you're doing is moving one of the letters. Right. Like it's almost kind of like an ironic thing. And I think you you don't say it after a loss or after embarrassment. You kind of say it like when good vibes are going. OK, so right <laughs> now they're the loins. The loins are NFC North champions. I, I think I right now you have to put some respect on their how, name. That's so awkward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no. no, I, I get it. I, again, it, for for so many years, it was like, oh, you can say it because it, it's like it's fun. The Lions are winning. Like you're listening to Africa by Toto after wins is your celebration thing. Like we're having <laughs> fun here. But now I think there's a little bit more. Like we're down to business now. Professionalism, like, right? Yeah, yeah. capital okay. L. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> bring back the black jerseys and we're good. Then you got oh, the capital L, black jerseys. Like, let's just do it. Why don't the Cowboys get black jerseys? Not everyone needs black jerseys, Ryan. You know, like, <laughs> and that's the answer, RJ. Yeah, like <laughs> for the Lions everyone, too. <laughs> not everyone needs black helmets. You know, it doesn't look great for every team. Um, the Cowboys have a million uniforms. I don't know if y'all know that. So, you know. yeah, but they all kind of look the same. How dare you? <laughs> all right, we're gonna get out of here, RJ. Always love talking with you, buddy. I've missed you since uh, we had a little shakeup, even though Ryan doesn't like me mentioning that podcast. He feels like uh, you're my mistress, in his words. Mm, interesting. Um, wow. Well, I'll have you know, Ryan, that Jeremy shared all of his secrets with us, um, the most <laughs> intimate ones. Um, his version of loins. There is a Jeremy version of loins um, that you can press him on, and, and <laughs> not, not too firmly, uh, and figure out. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I also want to shout out Jeremy. I learned today about the Mad Men thing. So that yeah. is very cool. Ryan, were you on a television show that we can all be fans of too? 
He lives Abbott Elementary. I, okay. My, my wife is into this. Aren't they fans of the Eagles on that show? Like, what the hell, Ryan? What are you doing? Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I just meant that he's a teacher. I, I don't even know if he knows the show. There's just too much talk about mistresses and loins <laughs> and applying pressure. And I don't, and intimate details. I, I'm lost. I'm I, lost. This is the the longest dragging on outro, and I'm 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 continuing to drag it out here because it's, this is it's awkward and weird. I, like I feel I understand it. I like this, this is this the is like, it's, Okay, okay, yeah, okay, right. yes, I get mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I, things I, are I, things are going sideways, but you're having fun, right? And that's, that's the thing, a great like, way to put it. Okay, yeah. And look, I mean, this is this is all playing into to the like. I don't really care about this game that much. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, it's all about the vibes right now. I want to care more about this game than I do. Right. You know what I, I mean? That's where, yeah, that's, I think, where I'm at, too. Um, I want to have the same mentality that the Lions have, where it's like, no, we we got the, now the bars move. Now we got to be the two seed, and maybe we'll get the one seed. I'm just like, eh, that'd be cool, but you know what? Right. <laughs> Be, because of your disposition, thank God this game is not on, on New Year's Eve. That would have sucked, right? Like, to have this yeah. game happen and then, like, turn around and, like, get the champagne and the funny glasses and all that stuff. Like, no, <laughs> we're good. We can enjoy Sunday all together. Scott Hansen and us. That's right. Oh, yes, man. Right. RJ. Yes, we've been as much as I don't like primetime games. We have been blessed with so much <clears throat> opportunities to just watch Red Zone on Sundays that I, I can't complain about it. Um, there are there is not really a single Dallas Cowboys fan who ever has to buy the Sunday ticket um, <laughs> because they're on national television. Right. Time. So, uh, last week, actually, they were on Fox's number one broadcast, who you all have met finally. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> so, uh, but um, I so that was their uh, Fox's 16th game. Uh, they have had the Cowboys nine times. The number one crew. Uh, they are the official broadcast of the Dallas Cowboys, except yes. for the Thanksgiving Day game in Detroit. Yeah, as long as it's not Kenny Albert. Yeah, this was so we we never get Kenny. I mean, you know, it's. It's the, yeah. the number one cruise all the way around. Kenny should be doing Rangers games. That's what he should be doing. No, no, he should be doing Packers games because there might actually be an opportunity for a team to get the ball in both halves in that game. <laughs> for somebody to, in the stadium <laughs> to be just as confused about who's getting the ball at halftime as Jair Alexander? Yes. Yeah, it's a perfect match. Oh, Spider-Man I, meme of Jair Alexander and Kenny Albert pointing at each other. I will admit... Um, because there's a lot going on in the noon hour and the Packers have been relegated there now. So congratulations to you all. Yeah. I missed this whole coin toss thing on, on Sunday. I, like I when this popped too. up today, I was like, whoa, what happened? What coin toss? Like with the way Rappaport and Schefter were like, oh, this is because of the coin toss thing. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what, like, how does everyone know what this is? So, you know, I, hey. it too. I, I was fairly certain that he was being disciplined for saying that the Packers were going to run the table and then the next <laughs> week they get they get, you know, dog walked by, Dom, you know, Tommy DeVito. <laughs> I thought they were finally holding him accountable for for those comments. But yeah, they should have. Maybe they just like slide that into the statement next time. I, I think I Put saw that as a headline, though. Like LaFleur said, it's not just one thing. Oh, there you go. Wow. Are we going to end this podcast? Should we end the podcast? That we're not I even talking. We're not even talking yeah. about the game anymore. All right, guys. Um, go Lions. Go Lions. Go Lions. <laughs> it's chaos. Be kind. We'll see you next time. Bye. Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. 
Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. And each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 